I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And today we're going to be discussing the Dune miniseries that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel in the early 2000s. What was it, 2002, I think? 2000. 2000? 2000. 2000 oh, is, Yep. 14 years old. 2000. It aired when I actually had cable and could watch it and had really nice internet, which is better than I have tonight. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not bitter. I'm sorry if you're hearing this and I have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> chat room understands. They feel my pain. Well, getting right into this movie, it's basically an adaptation of the book Dune. So if you've been following along, you should be familiar with the storyline. Uh, it aired on three nights, two hours a night, uh, three days consecutively. Uh, each part doing uh, a part of the book that uh, was separated out. So, uh, what did you think of this 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 mini series? I mean, we've watched the David Lynch film, and we watched uh, Scott and I watched Jodorowsky's Dune. Uh, comparatively, in general, well, um, <coughs> are you asking me or Jim? I mean, oh, let's start with you. Okay, so. Was- uh, so uh, <coughs> So here's my thought on the miniseries. If you were to put them all out and say, which one do you prefer? Hands down for me, it's the miniseries. Um, there were, in retrospect, in watching it, I mean, I, it's been a year since I watched it. When I watched it this time, there were places watching it five hours straight where it did seem to drag. Anyways, that's, that, that is my thought on the miniseries. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I certainly, I feel like I liked it better than Lynch's Dune. Um, Jodorowsky really can't compare right. because we don't ever, we don't really see what the uh, the full effect of that is. So, mm-hmm. Jim, how about you? How did you feel about this? Okay, well, I watched it twice, and the first time I watched it, I was kind of, um, I don't know, it it just didn't strike me as being huge and great, but. I watched it again, and after I had gotten used to all the all the character changes and everything from David Lynch's film, um, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I can I can understand that. I can I can actually. I mean, you know, you, you really enjoy the David Lynch film, so I, I, I can understand how having. Uh, another cast come in and try and portray these characters that you've seen on film before and you've enjoyed, uh, not on the same level, but you know, kind of, you know, new star Trek, the old star Trek kind of, a kind of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really, um, uh, 
it it just took me a, a, a while to warm up to. Um, I don't know. It it I I I wound up liking it actually better than the David Lynch film. Um, take that, David things. Lynch. Take that. <laughs> yeah. There were a few things that did bother me about this one, but we'll get into that later, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love this series. I think, I mean, we're a couple months away from it, but Children of Dune is like the quintessential film adaptation of Dune for me. And it does. I agree. Yeah. It, it, it draws a lot. I think of, I like it even better. But you need this Dune for yeah, that Dune to work. Yeah. And there's a couple of the characters that are replaced, but... A good portion of them carry over. The guy who plays Paul in this, I can't remember his name. I can't either. He's been on Star Trek. He's been on Doctor Who. You know, he's been on a bunch of things. But to me, he is Paul. Now he's older. Uh, you know, they yeah. play they play him older, a little bit darker. But to me, he's just very much. Dude, and Leto is totally oh, John Hurt. Yeah, yeah, William, William Hurt. Hurt. Yeah, William yeah, Hurt is is totally. Totally Alec true. Newman is his name. Alec Newman, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really like this. I mean, I remember watching it on TV and it blowing my mind. Um, I think I had just finished the book because uh, I saw that it was coming out and I was like, I, I want to read the book before I watch this because the trailers looked really cool. So at that period in time, it really just kind of blew me away. Uh, rewatching it now, it's kind of like, man, these sets are literally just piles of sand in front of, like, paintings and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it worked. It's better than it's better than bad effects, I guess. Well, you know, it, it, they actually, they were able to achieve, like, they never filmed on location for this film. Mm -hmm. It was all done in-house with, with, you know, painted sand dunes on a canvas. And they managed to make that fairly realistic for me, fairly believable. The only place where it got a little bit unbelievable for me is like when they're sitting at the banquet and, uh, you know, an hour later, they're still sitting at the banquet and the moon hasn't moved at all in that yeah. entire process. But, it, you know, I mean, who, when I'm watching it, I'm not watching the moon. I'm watching the characters and the conversation because Dune has very core, is very character driven show. And so, this uh, our book and story, and so I was okay. Yeah. I was I could look past that, and they made what for twenty thousand for twenty million dollars, which is what it cost them to make it about. They made an absolutely amazing miniseries. It was the number one miniseries till Children of Dune came along, and that held the title till Tin Man came. Really? And when Tim, Tin Man came on, it blew it out of the water. But but it held it. You know, it was the biggest selling miniseries for the Sci Fi Channel up till that time. And it won some awards too. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, we have some really good awards here that 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 it really got nominated for. So this is and it's not this is Dune. It was a primetime Emmy Awards. It won for that um, outstanding cinematography. Um, outstanding special visual effects, outstanding sound editing. So there were a couple different uh, awards that it won. It was nominated for the Academy of Science Fiction and Fantasy and Horror Films as the best single genre television presentation. So, uh, and I mean, even to be nominated for these things is pretty huge. Right, um, right. It was up for a Hugo Award, um, up for the Cinema Audio Society. Uh, man, when we get to Children of Dune, 
that soundtrack. I oh. listened to that again and again. <laughs> Not so much as the soundtrack didn't wow me the same way, but we'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead. Yeah. Um, it did win for the motion picture sound editors, uh, won the uh, best sound editing. And yeah. Huh. So those are the awards. Yeah, we, we won a ton of awards. It's a ton of awards. Hmm. You know, I, th- I, I just love it. I mean, even even so, I think the biggest problem with this miniseries, and and I think that it's something that uh, David Lynch tried to get around with his inner monologue uh, to a degree and his introduction at the beginning. Now, now this this series also has an introduction by Irulan, uh during you know where the breaks would be and at the beginning of the film, but. Um, it, you need about half an hour with whoever you're going to watch this m- with. And if they don't know about Dune, you have to sit them down and give them half hour talk about the universe before you plop them mm, into this. Funny. And I found when I've watched Funny it, you should mention that I did that with my wife. I explained it to her and uh, it helped her enjoy what she did watch of it quite a bit. Yeah. Do you See, feel, do you feel like that was more important with the David Lynch film than with the, uh, the, the Dune miniseries? Are equally important for both. What do you What do you mean? Well, you, so you had to sit down and give a half an hour explanation to someone. Right. Do you feel like, uh, I mean, partly like David Lynch doesn't give you a heck of a lot of background. We have two hours of a movie. Right. Um, we have about five to six hours of a miniseries. Do you think that that length of time they had to tell the story did away with some of that having to explain the universe? To a degree, but no. I mean, I I feel like so, so with the David Lynch film, it's such a mess that even when you know about Dune, you sit down and I'm kind of like, what is going on <laughs> in the scenarios? It's like you know, I don't know how much of a help it would be, but I'm speaking specifically with the Dune miniseries because, for example, as we were ramping up to watch these, before we saw the David Lynch film, uh, my mother wanted to come to the, the live screenings, and I said. You're not going to know what's going on. And I can't explain the whole story to you. So let's watch the mini series. But even so, I need to sit down and talk to you. And she repeated over and over again if that she really, really enjoyed it. But she needed that, that, that conversation we had beforehand to help. She wouldn't have known what was going on. And it's not just her. So like the last couple of times that I've watched the mini series, it's been with non Dune fans who have nothing to know, don't know anything about Dune that like sci fi. Where I've said, look, look, this is a good movie. Just deal with me. Just like listen to me for half an hour, and then when we watch this, you'll enjoy it. And every time they're always like, I wouldn't have watched that if you hadn't had talked me through it more. Uh, and they wind up usually really liking it. One of the guys actually went out and bought them both. Well, so. now what 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 about it? Do you feel like you have to explain? And it, it, you know. Break it down. Don't give us the half an hour version, David. Yeah. Just, just like a, well, yeah, we're all, I think most of us are familiar with, with the story at this point. But it's like you need to explain the worms, the the relationship with Spice and the galaxy, uh, the a brief overview, of, brief brief overview of the politics and what's initially happening and why, why uh, like why what why they're going to Arrakis, um, the idea of the Emperor. Uh, and then the big ones that you have to is like just briefly explain why the space and guild is important and what they are, what the Benny Gesserit are, and like what a reverend mother is. Mm-hmm. Like those big, those are big three things that uh, make a huge difference. Otherwise, like why do people like what's that creature? And I don't understand why it's important. So, well, uh, 
let's let's bring this back to the the miniseries itself. And Jim, I have a question for you. As you as you watched this miniseries, how did the actors coincide with their characters? I mean, what did you think of the portrayals of the various characters that we saw through the Lynch films that we imagined as we read through the Dune series? I mean, how did that feel to? Uh, w- w- what were the characters that were that were hitting the mark? Were there any that were absolutely missing the mark for you? Um. Well, let's see. I I thought I thought Gurney was outstanding. Uh, I was very happy with with that one. Uh, Fenring, I didn't like him. Uh, that particular actor. Um, Brad Dorf did a better job. I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, Brad Dorf was uh, Piter. Oh, he was, but, but uh, he did better. He yeah. did a better Piter too. <laughs> it was really neat that they put Fenring in there, but I saw Fenring as more uh, of a, as a stronger character. Um, Definitely older. The, yeah, uh, Leah was too young. Uh, the actor was too young. Um, I wasn't real happy with. Uh, um, oh. The Gina's fighter. I, it just blows my blows my mind how Duncan. I can't remember these things. Duncan. Yes, Duncan. Um, I was very happy with William Hurt, Alec Newman, uh, Saskia Reeves. I thought was outstanding. Uh, I liked the Emperor, uh, Laszlo, or no? Um, well, whoever played the Emperor. But there, there were a few spots there, and <clears throat> I even mentioned it, I think, while I was watching it, that I thought Stilgar was too short. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Matthias yeah. in the chat room says that Raban's hilarious in the uh, in the miniseries. Uh, yeah. He's definitely a more over-the-top. Well, no, wait. <laughs> Lynch's was over-the-top, but he still feels over-the-top right. uh, in this one. At least we're not milking cats. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, you know, when we talk about the uh, when we talk about the characters, um, I, I, I agree with most of your assessment there. I like. I, I, did you like the Emperor, Jim? Yes, I did. Yeah, so I thought the Emperor did good. Um, his sister, um, Paul's sister, Alia. Yeah, I almost liked the Lynch version just a little bit better. I liked her in this one, but I I really liked the how eerie she was in the Lynch version. I think yeah, Alia in in the miniseries was uh uh too childlike mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I would she agree. She should have been she should have been more knowing being born uh conscious. Yeah. And uh, there was one other one, Lady Jessica I liked. Mm-hmm. I thought she did well for me. She yes. She, not only does she play the role okay for me, but she, uh, her beauty wise, kind of fits right. my, my idea of how she, the green would, she would be pretty. Yeah, well, we need the green eyes. Same thing with Irulan. I oh, thought yeah. she was incredibly uh, well done. Yeah, yep. I, I would I would agree with that. Uh, what did you think of Beast for Band's brother? Fade. Yeah, Fade Ralphin. I th- I felt I felt that he's good. I mean, I like that he's kind of like a womanizer, and they and they play that up more, right? In it, so you get the idea that uh, you know you get the Baron kind of commenting on him, but it's very blatant that it's that uh, Fade is in 
to like just a Playboy lifestyle. Oh yeah. Now uh, I I have a version of it that I think is unrated. They did yeah. because they released a couple different versions of this, and so there was a lot of nudity in the one I was watching. That's one that I have too. Yeah. yeah, I was like, whoa, this is I don't remember this on the Sci Fi Channel. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah. but it played into that. Uh, feel. I'm going to be honest, though. Again, in his character, I almost like Sting better. I think that uh, Sting you know, would... I yeah. agree totally, Scott. There was nothing about Fade uh, in this miniseries until the very end that stood out as special, other than that weird triangle he had attached to the back of his head. <laughs> right, and then and then I guess when he tries to assassinate the Baron at the one point, and so I guess you have that. Yeah. Um and uh they don't have that in the Lynch version I don't believe. So he, uh, yeah, Fade needed more more screen presence, probably a more prominent actor uh at least for our audience here. I don't know how prominent that actor is uh yeah. overseas. Yeah, me neither. But, yeah. But we needed someone someone that would call attention to themselves the way that uh, Sting did. What about uh, uh, thoughts on Cheney? I like Cheney. Yeah, I, I really did. I do too. I liked I her a changed. lot better than I did the David Lynch version. Yeah, I would agree. Agreed. She, she seems more appropriately Fremen. I don't know how else to say it. I don't even know what I mean I by agree. that, but she just personifies the Fremen better than the other girl looked to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> She was probably probably, yeah. <laughs> probably was Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, no, I I agree. She had she had the skin that a person would imagine from someone who lives in the desert. Uh, she just portrayed everything a lot better. Uh, she was I, I don't mean to say this in a in a bad way, but she was more plain looking, like you would expect. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, uh, still pretty, but but on but but more plain looking. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I enjoy about this miniseries, and it's not uniform, so I think that that bugs some people. But to me, when looking at a, a culture that's filled with people from all over the galaxy, there was the um, accents were all over the gamut here. It's just like you oh, know, gosh. one guy was supposed to live next to the other guy sounded totally different, but. It worked. Like, even just uh, Cheney's accent compared to, you know, Paul's American accent, um, or even just the way that Paul mm-hmm. kind of talks with, has like a weird, weird way of uh, putting connotation into his words. But overall, I just, I really enjoyed that aspect. You know, the, the most of the uh, Mohayam has like a weird accent to it. I don't know right. what, what nationality, but. Uh, it just worked for me. Yeah, I didn't really pay attention to the accents too much, but there's there are people that it certainly would bother. I would think mm-hmm. if they're if they're not consistent in it. I may have just watched this it, one too many times. Yeah, maybe <laughs> bothered, the accents bothered me the first time the first time through, but but they didn't the second time through because well, the first time through I I kept thinking it's it, we've got a bunch of Italians here. What is this a spaghetti <laughs> doing or what? Uh, <laughs> You know, but I set that aside the second time I saw it um, and went went a little bit deeper and noticed some other things. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you mentioned earlier the sets. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the 
way the sets were, as you say, just a pile of sand in the middle of the stage, that gave me a more intimate feeling, some like you would get if you're reading a book. It had more mm-hmm. the feel of a book than the David Lynch movie had. How did you feel about the Fremen? I mean, I know they're your people. Did they <laughs> sonify Fremen as, as much as you'd like? I... I yeah yes and no, um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a problem I guess with that. I think I don't think they showed them their the Fremen culture in this movie as much as they could probably because of money. Mm-hmm. I but, know I um, I, did, I did think that they showed it more than the Lynch film though. Yeah. But still not like entirely. No, I agree. But you, but you had like the whole fighting to the death. You had the, um, you had that scene. You had some of the the weirding training. You had him being attacked. There were more of the more of the philosophical aspects of the Fremen in the miniseries, but less of the actual what they do. How to how to ride a worm. How to uh, um, put on a still suit. Uh, things like that, yeah. it, it, you know. So, what what do you think about the uh, what do you think about the navigators, guys? Uh, almost there in, in the portrayal. Of better than Lynch. Better than Lynch, but, <laughs> but not quite how I imagined them. Now, when yeah. you watch when we we get the Children of Dune, they are freaking awesome. That is exactly how I imagined yeah, them in my yeah. in my head. Is the way that they are in Children of Dune. Uh, that I mean, even when as soon as I saw it, I was like, almost what I was thinking yeah. in, in my head. So they're almost there because kind of a deviation or whatever. But um, well, why don't we move into like favorite moments or things that we liked about the film as far as beyond the characters? Yeah. Is that what you were well, thinking? I want to make one more comment about the Fremen. Okay, let's talk about the Fremen. Yeah, uh, this is something that I, I that always bothered me, and then. I'm going to reference this probably a couple of times today because this is like the last time I watched it was with my mother. And she was, you know, I spent all this time explaining the characters in the world. And then she's like, why aren't they wearing their suits? As soon as they would get to the siege, which was mostly outside, like they would all strip down to regular clothes. And she's like, but they're outside. I don't understand. And I was, that always bugged me because I think the still suits in these movies, like they look like still suits to me. Yes, with the, like the face guards, and then like some of them like completely cover the head. Uh, but then as soon as they get uh, to Siege to Bar, which is basically an outdoor market, they're just back in regular clothing and they're outside. And that's always been one of those things. It's like what? Man, I but, think that almost has to be a. Uh, I mean, can you imagine filming actors? covered like yeah, they, 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 it. it almost i mean they almost have to do that filming but i yeah. i understand why it would bug just yeah well even if they were just still wearing the suits and didn't have the the guards on anymore but yeah anyway yeah so moving on yeah so uh let's talk about a point of the movie that used that we thought really had ha- really shown for us um that were really solidly done. That when we go back to the movie, said, "Oh, this was a point in the movie. I really loved this point in the movie." And maybe in there we can mix in stuff that, well, you know, this part I just wasn't crazy about. So why don't put you in the spot, David? You're first. The point where Cheney took. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> whoa, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> um, the point where <laughs> yeah. boom chicka wah wah. Man. You kind of got me stuck. Okay, uh, Jim, can I put you on the spot? Sure. 
my favorite scene out of the whole thing was when uh, Gurney was upstairs playing playing the the so-called ballast set. That was a lute he was playing. No one okay. knows. <laughs> <laughs> a a ballast set, I think, if I understand the description, was closer to a sitar than that. That was a, I believe it was a 16-string lute he was playing. Uh, but anyway, at any rate, uh, when Paul came... or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then when Paul joined him and the two of them talked, and then when Irulan come up and and they had their exchange and it really looked like they were going to get together now i know none of this stuff was in the book but it was really it was really neat uh material in there and then uh when the sardaukar marched in what's with those dudes hats <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but i'll i'll rant on that later but actually uh that that part of the movie was my favorite part. I, I, I recall now, I think I commented on Facebook when, when I was watching it, uh, and one of my favorite scenes that still kind of gives me, like, it gets me excited, is the conversation between Leto and Paul about desert power. And, oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. like, you know, you need desert power. And just like that little back and forth and... They're saying Mahadi, Mahadi, you know, as they drive by, and, and and it's that Paul's facing his future as as you know um, a leader, um, a biblical leader, and then you've got uh, you turn around and you've got you know this political leader stuff going on, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I would say that um, one of my favorite scenes in this one is I loved I, I loved the way they incorporated the dreams in this one, Paul's visions of the future, and how that's um, and how that how that all played out, and how that's work and how that worked, and how that was uh, how it was just clear. It was much clearer than the vision that we saw in the Lynch film, and um, just the way you see your John Hurt's face just eats away into the yeah. skull. It's just. The, the again, I'm re- I guess what I'm really talking about is the visual effects in this movie. Um, despite them being sparse, were well done and really accented the movie well. And I watched and said, I don't feel this is dated. You know, uh, the personal shield in Lynch film very dated. This not so dated for me. Right. So, um, I thought the effects with the Hunter Seeker worked worked well. Mm-hmm. So, I also like that little like you get that look between him and the girl that's in the room with him when the Hunter Seeker comes. And you're almost like, he's kind of a playboy too. You get that little hint that, you know, right. He could be that way if he chose to be, but he doesn't. Right. He doesn't. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other spots. I mean, I'm going to be honest when they rode the worm, mm-hmm. I was just a little bit disappointed. Really? Because there were just not that many Fremen. Yeah. I I was expecting a lot more from when they ride the ride the worm. Duncan is underplayed. I agree. Terrible. Agree. I'm really glad they didn't have the weirding modules in this. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, favorite parts? Any other any other favorite parts? I mean, I like when they come back and they take Arakeen. I just think that's kind of powerful uh, scene there. 
the whole conversation between him and the emperor. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the emperor in general. I just like, think that he fits the role. You know, one of the things that uh, this movie is, uh, I was reading something today and, and while I kind of agree with it, I thought that the ending of this movie was more in line with the book than the Lynch film. Mm-hmm. However, people still faulted it because they didn't they didn't take the ending far enough. Because he doesn't does he get married to Irlan in, in the miniseries? They allude to it. They allude to it, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, they just I think it ends with them saying like she'll have his name, but but Jane we will be, be yeah, wise. we'll be the ones that are really running everything. Yeah. Um so some people faulted it for that. Um, was there anything, uh, Jim or David, that you felt was missing from this movie that really should have been there that they just didn't put in? Uh, I'm I'm trying to think, and I I was very satisfied that well, uh, they did portray the book quite well, um, and I was even pleased with the extra stuff that wasn't in the book that they added in. To help uh, out, like what? Yeah, like oh what? gosh, well, well, like like the scene that I that I mentioned. Oh yes. Um, uh, they expanded the the battle at the end uh, quite considerably. Um, the battle for Arrakis was was really good. I like the um, sabotage that they were doing in in the city. I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. So I I. And uh, I, I just thought it was very well done. Uh, there's nothing there that was missing for me. Okay. The, the only thing that I really felt was missing was an explanation of the Bene Gesserit and the um, the whole past memory uh, thing. Mm. What do they call that? Mm. The genetic memory? Genetic memory, yeah. Because like, the, part of the eeriness of... Alia and like they kind of bring it up a little bit, but and there's that cool scene where you're in Jessica's mind and and she sees the area she's not supposed to go to and all that, but it's not really. You get that she gets the memory of the other Sayadina, but you don't right. get that she gets anything more than that, right? Um, and I thought I felt that just a little bit more explanation there would make more sense, also as to why the Quizak Hadarak is. Is more and, and and they they go into it in more depth than Children of Dune, but uh, yeah, so yeah. Well, I did find uh, a little bit of uh, trivia, so I share that now. Is that good? Well, I think we have a favorite scene here in the yeah. But he's saying Children of Dune. That's why I wasn't going to. Sh- I wasn't sure. Okay. So uh, was it Matthias? Yeah. Um, he says his favorite part is probably the montage near the end of the first episode of Children of Dune. Or China's giving birth. Well, that happens in Children of Dune. That yeah. doesn't happen in Dune. Right. So uh, we'll save that for next time, or yeah. whenever we do that. So, um, so do we want to talk about? I have I have a little bit of trivia. Yeah, let's do it. Should I, should I share it? Yeah. All right. So the design for the still suits was inspired by NASCAR. Really? <laughs> yep. Uh, by the NASCAR cool suits, which pump chilled water through the capillaries to keep its wearer from overheating. It was also used used in Spawn. Movie spawn. Really? Yep. Uh, the glowing Fremen eyes effect was accomplished with special ultraviolet contact lenses and UV filtering camera lenses. And it barely worked. Yeah, it barely worked. 
Well, and you know, it got a little bit in it with, I think it was, was it Cheney that, uh, her eyes really began to get, get irritated toward the end. So she's just not wearing them all the time. Yeah. So it was a little bit intermittent. But. Some scenes like they look amazing and then they walk like to, you know, they turn their head and it just totally diminishes. Yeah, so it did, you know, they turn their head and it's not there. Like you have to be looking straight on. Yeah. Um, the yeah. false spice blow. Uh, where Gurney and Paul are kind of reunited was really oregano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, unlike the novel and the 1984 film adaptation, Fade, Rautha does not have red hair, but dark hair, which I'm sure there was a lot of that stuff. And um, yeah, so that's that. Huh. So, and then I also have a few goofs. So I share those too. Yeah. So here's a few goofs. Uh, Jessica's pregnancy seems to progress and recede without any regard to chronological order. So sometimes she seems very pregnant. The next time she doesn't. Hmm. Um, when Paul and his mother are stranded in the desert, Paul has several days growth of beard. When he's rescued on board the Thopter and is strapping in, he's clean shaven. And then when he arrives at the caves, the beard is back. And when he leaves and is on board the Thopter, he's clean shaven again. <laughs> so his beard comes and goes as well. And then, then the last, then the last thing was the computer-generated thopters have fans on the back of the wings to make them fly. The actual close-up models are missing these fans. Huh. So, I like the design of the thopters. Oh, I know. Yeah, I think you'd mentioned before that these are probably the closest to. Well, they don't have the flapping wings, but they feel real. They feel real. Feel. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so those were some of the uh, quotes, and oh no, there was a trivia and the goofs. I do have some quotes, but we can share those later. What um. What'd you guys think of the worms? And we didn't talk about them at all. You think they looked first off, do you like them? And then better or worse than Lynch? Uh <laughs> you know what? I, I I think I'm I'm saying that because I'm kind of ambivalent. I you know, Lynch's worms didn't bother me. I you know, I, they were they were kind of a circular mouth, they knew the rows of teeth in them. Here we kind of have the split head, we're like splits into three parts, right? Yeah. Um both work for me. Now, in fact, uh, I will. I will admit. I think that is it. Is it the Lynch version, or is it this version when they're taking, bringing the thopter up and the worm comes up after it? It's this one. Yeah. It was this one. This I, one. That was beautifully done. Yeah, I, I love that part. I like how when they open their mouth, their like teeth kind of extend out a little bit. Right. Kind of. There's a there's a shark that does that. You ever see the? You ever see uh, that? What is it? The Kevin uh, Kevin Bacon uh, Tremors. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a little bit of the tremors, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> the creatures. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, so that's a so that's my take in the worm. You know, I like the worms. I thought that they worked well. So uh, quotes, I have some quotes here, and and uh, let me just share. I know that we did these for the movie. Uh, <laughs> I just looking at the chat room, and the miniseries sandworms look like the sarlacc from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. That's what Matthias is saying. That I agree. But where's Boba Fett? Come on, <laughs> he's in one of the sandworms. Yeah, yeah, I see here. Jason's asking if we saw the uh, alternate edition Redux of. I'm assuming that's the uh, the Lynch the Lynch one. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to watch it. I think Jim was a maybe on that one, right? Yodorowski. Uh, no, the oh. Lynch movie, the fan edit. Oh, uh, no, you no, to see I, I had. I had no plans had, to watch it. He he had his fill of Lynch. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, so so uh, quotes, right? Yeah. So I have uh, three quotes that I thought I'd share here that I brought in. I know that we read the book and we shared some quotes, but the movie quotes sometimes are a little bit different. And so these three stuck out to me. The first one's from Stilgar. Sometimes it's better to miss an opportunity than to invite disaster. I thought that sounded like a good Confucius yeah. saying. Um, and then Cheney, uh, I believe that sometimes it is necessary to share the one you love with things greater than both of you. I thought it was a pretty good quote. And then the last one is from the Baron. Never become more popular than the boss unless you intend to sack him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That was awesome. Yeah. So that's we, didn't, a, we didn't talk about the Baron much. Yeah, I love this Baron. Yeah. Wasn't quite as over the top. Much more cunning and yeah. di- and di- uh, I want to say diabolical. That's not the right word. But much more cunning and devious than, uh, the, the, than the other one to me. The he was also was quite cool, poetic. Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the rhyming. Yeah, the rhyming. Uh, Remind me of Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like uh, I like Irulan's narration, and I think whenever I think of this series, the, the biggest click that comes into my head is the saga of doom is far from over. Like dun, there's, dun, dun. there's so much like you could say that at the end of all the books, you know, and it would just mm-hmm. fit perfectly. She just does. The actress is just perfect. Yeah, it works. It works. Well, what what else do we have to talk about? What do you think of the uh, What do you think of the music? We mentioned it briefly, but what did you think of the way the music holds the series together? I think it's well. I think it really glues together in the next one when they hit back at some of the same themes. Uh, I think that re- that really makes a huge difference. Yeah, this this I felt that the music. Um filled the series helped the story but none of the music to me was memorable in this series Mm -hmm. i liked it it's nice music but it doesn't have the same uh it didn't resonate with me the same way it does with children of dune right so i liked it didn't feel like it distracted um certainly missing those 1980 rock opera guitar riffs as you're riding the sandworm but yeah i Sound-wise, I mean, that's what it won all the awards for. Yeah, I people like the sound really, editing. That's really good. I mean, the worms, when they go by, the shh. Oh, yeah, definitely. That noise, that's, that's cool. What do you think of the music, Jim, Mr. Music Man? Yeah, we should be getting your yeah. opinion first. Well, you know, uh, I agree with Scott. It, for the most part, it wasn't really remarkable. However, I wish I could remember the spot because I heard it several times throughout the miniseries, there were places in there with chord progressions that were right out of David Lynch, even in the same key. Really? Yes. And I'll tell you what, what I might do uh, to, to show it, show you what it is. I'll, I'll take a recording off of my son's disc and, and I'll email it to you or something in MP3. But it, it just blew me away. And I looked at Ben and I were watching it at the same time. And I looked over at him and I said, that is the same chord progression from David Lynch. And he says, yeah, it is. It sure sounds like it. <laughs> we'll have to, we, we should insert the clip. Yeah. Yeah. If you can give me both of like a clip of both, that would be we'll awesome. Put it in. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that'll be tough. I'll I'll see what I can do this weekend. 
All uh, right. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anything else we need to talk about? Are we pretty good? I don't I feel like I. Have, I don't feel like I have a lot more to say about the miniseries. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. It's good. It was a good miniseries. Let's let's rate it. Yeah. So let yeah let's move into the ratings. Yeah. You uh, you? I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. I'm old back because I feel children is better. Well, yeah, but three and a half. I'm not that low, man. Okay, I'll give it a four. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm kind of twisting <laughs> your arm into it. it hurts. I'm twisting your arm. You're too easy, pressure. David. You're way too easy. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, this, I, I think for me, it has to be a, it has to be a four. I don't think I can go much higher. I think for me, if I'm rating the movies, because I have to separate this from the books, right? And Lynch is definitely much lower, but and this definitely is kind of the middle one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think if I'm going to give a five to anything, it's probably going to be Children of Dune, but I'm going to wait until we actually watch it and see how I feel about it watching it again. Mm-hmm. But this was a real good miniseries. It held together. Again, some places where I felt it was, the pacing was just a bit long and yet needed, and if it was broken over you know, three nights like it was, it probably wouldn't have bothered me. Um, I'm gonna give it a four. Okay, I'm I'm at, I'm at a four. All right, Jim, I'm gonna agree with that and also give it a four. And the only reason I'm not giving it a five is because of uh, the the backdrops were not painted very well. I'm sure they look great on analog TV in 2000. Such okay, but on DVD. Wow. <laughs> on, just can't please everyone, can you? Just can't please everyone. Guy, I'll tell you what. Well, and you know something? I, I'll Good. tell you what. I'd have been just fine with them as as being surrealistic if they hadn't put the stupid birds flying by in front of them to try to make them look real. Okay, yeah. You know, you yeah. buy this guy a high-definition television, and this is what happens. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that's what I'm saying. It was not made for the the digital age, yeah, so it I'm, sure it, yeah. I'm sure it looked a lot better back then. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was a good solid four. Now, I've never yeah. seen the next one, so please don't spoil it for me. Yeah. Well, if you read the book... It's going to spoil it for you. You're going to know what's going to happen. When we get there, you're going to know what's going to happen. Right. Okay, don't spoil the book for me because it's been a long time and I don't remember it. <laughs> they all die at the end. Yeah. And, 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 and R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah. Fine Jabba's Palace. <laughs> right. I thought it was and Frank Ro- Herbert, not William Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, well... well Go ahead. Looking into what's coming up next month, we will be reading Dune Messiah. Yeah, awesome book. Yeah. Uh, It is a quick read, if I remember correctly. The first time I read it was like, ooh, I think it took me like a day or two. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely short. Um, So be ready for that when you read it. Uh, What are you expecting? What kind of things are you expecting out of Dune Messiah? Uh, saying this to two gentlemen who have already completed their reading for next month. Right. Uh, well, see, what I'm expecting out of Doom Messiah. Um, I, I can't do this. 
I can't do it. I, I can't even pretend because uh, I'm looking forward to discussing this book. I feel like there's this book. Um, things were happening in this book that I felt really tie into the the Kevin G. Anderson and Brian Herbert version of the universe, and you see a little bit more of that happen. Um, you get a real solid expert, uh, a real a real deep exploration of of prescience. It's, I'm I'm excited to be dialoguing about. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. We're going to see a lot more of. We're going to see a lot more of Paul just dealing with uh, becoming this massive political leader, as well as a religious leader. Right. So, so that'd mm-hmm. be pretty interesting. Yeah. But Jim, you, what are you looking forward to? I, I'm not going to go there either. <laughs> for the same reasons. Yeah. Uh, I read it. I read it. I loved it. I'm really looking forward to talking about it. And I'm going to listen to the audiobook too. So. Oh, good. How about all you listeners out there calling these guys out for reading ahead? Oh, so man. Much, so much. Are you on Children of Dune? I'm, I, I, I cannot in good faith answer that in this podcast. You know, if you are on Children of Dune, you skipped a book. No, I didn't. You read Winds of Doom? Oh, my goodness. I didn't read. I didn't read I, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't read Winds of Doom. I was going to say. But I am, I am 90% through Children of Doom. I, I don't even know this guy anymore. <laughs> yeah. At least it's I, long I, um, enough. And it's, it's a wow. freaking long book. Yeah. And I'm actually distracting myself because I'm reading uh, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time number seven or eight. And that's about a gazillion hours long. 30 hours long. So At least, I mean, we're a couple months away, so you'll probably have to listen to it again. I will. Okay. I probably will. Yeah. So, so don't give me too I, much dirt. But. I know. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I just kept going. I didn't have any material to read. I'm like, oh, I'll pick up children again. Why <laughs> do these stories have to be so compelling? Yeah. <laughs> Curse you, Frank Herbert. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. Especially now that we're older and can appreciate them more. Right. That's true. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just uh, we're just dining on uh, refined culinary literary taste. So or maybe <laughs> I should just say that I'm older and can appreciate them more. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm definitely appreciating it more as a, uh, being older uh, than yeah. when I originally read it. Well, I can't say that because I don't remember originally reading it. So <laughs> I'm appreciating it definitely more now than I did earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. Well, we have a, a couple of announcements here. So first, let's go over the poll from last month. Which I suppose you want me to look up now. If you you, you, you you said that I was supposed to look it up, and you know what I did? I didn't look it up. This is what he said. I said, can you bring up the – can you bring up – and he goes, I'm not going downstairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and he, and he goes, can you bring up the poll? I'm like, this isn't that type of show, David. <laughs> he goes, no, no, that, not that poll. <laughs> um, I like how you didn't you you leave it out there that there is a poll downstairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so what is it? Uh, which where is it at? Is it on the Go to uh, any of the posts? Any of the posts? Yep, that's uh, how it is now. It's at the oh, bottom of all. Is it the bottom of all? <laughs> all right. So we have the poll. Which is hold on. Was who would you rather have as a sidekick when going on an evil adventure? And it was uh, Glossu Raban, Peter DeVries, Hasmir Fenring, uh, Yui Wellington, Fade Rautha, or Baron Harkonnen. And what was the answer? Who do you think won before we go? I'm going to think Peter DeVries. Okay. How about Jim? What's your call? 
Uh, I I would have to go with my favorite, uh, Fenring. I'd take Fenring anywhere with me. And hand and hands down, Hasmir Fenring rocked the boat. Sixty five percent of you said that you would bring him along on an evil adventure. Yeah. The, and that was at sixty five percent. The closest, next closest, was Fade Rautha. Really? And then it was a tie for third place with Peter DeRees and Baron Harkonnen. Uh, no, and Fate. No, and yeah, and Baron Harkonnen. And then distant at 3% was Glossy Raban and Yui Wellington. Yui Wellington, how much do you have? 3%. 3%. So some people wanted Yui. So here's the thing, right? It's an evil, it's an evil adventure, right? So I would go with Fennering off the bat because he's the most like cunning and stuff. But yeah. with all of these guys, I, I just looked at it and I was like, which one of these guys do I actually come back from this adventure alive with? Cause, <laughs> yeah, because friendly would just take you out. Yeah, all of them will assassinate me <laughs> mid, midway through the adventure, except for Yui, who wasn't even that evil. So it's just like, uh, I don't know. I mean, Fennering for sure. If you were like Shadam, Fennering all the way, I would. If you felt you could trust him, but yeah. I don't trust any of. Them. Are we going to have a new poll next month? We do have a new poll, and let me pull it up quick. Yeah, uh, so uh, so this is an excellent point. Evil, evil, evil adventure. So that's yep. cool. Okay, so yeah, yeah Yui actually got uh, he got one vote. Glossy really? Raban got one vote. Wow. <laughs> so wow, but we had thirty four people voted, so that was pretty cool. Well, hey, Scott, keep- yes, Roland brought up a really good idea in in the chat room. You see that okay. you guys should jot something down before you start the book if you're going to read ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's true. So if I decide to read ahead, I should jot down what I'm expecting. So I can like pretend in the podcast that I haven't read it, right? <laughs> exactly. You got it. Got it. Exactly. <laughs> good good advice. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Roland. I see he's surprised this is in the chat room that Yui got a vote. I, he told me earlier, he's like, I want to see who votes for Yui. Nah, we, we can't actually see who voted. We can tell you that. Too. Yeah. Uh, so our next question for it next wasn't month. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't the three of us. No. Four of us, if you include yep. uh, Question for next month. month next month. Yeah, next month. <laughs> the question for next month is, what is your favorite actor-character combination in the 1984 Dune feature film? So we have Patrick Stewart as Gurney Halleck, Freddie Jones as Thufer Howitt, Richard Jordan as Duncan Idaho, Dean Shockwell as Huey Wellington, uh, <clears throat> Francesca Annis as the Lady Jessica, Jürgen Prochnow as Duke Leto Atreides, Paul Smith as the Beast Raban, Bad Dorif as Peter DeVries, Sting as Fade Rutha, Kenneth McMillan as Baron Vladimir, Everett McMill as Stilgar, Max von Sydow as Liet Kynes. Virginia Madison as Princess Irulan, Sheen Young as Cheney, and Alice Witt as Avia. Is Paul in here? Mm. I don't think Paul's in here. No, nope, Paul's we'll, not We'll in put there. Paul in there. We'll put Paul in there. Yeah, so yep. that's the Paul question. And add all of the above, will you? All of the above? All of the above. All of the above, yeah. <laughs> or, or D, or like C, none of the above. None of the above, yeah. Gosh, that's going to be a difficult one. Yeah, yeah. it will. I think I have mine picked out already. I'm not going to tell you, though. You're going to have to wait. Wait to the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we should wrap this thing up, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have a couple of uh, new things to talk about. We do have some new things to talk about. First, 
Yeah, we're going to talk about Patreon. Let's talk about Patreon. Yeah. So we've started a Patreon campaign. For those of you who aren't familiar with Patreon, it's a website set out to help people working in the arts and help support their art. Uh, if you go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-A-N, or R-A, sorry, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N <laughs> dot com slash Dune Saga Podcast, or if you follow many of any of the links on our website that says uh, Patreon, uh, you will find, wind up at our page, and what we have is a monthly subscription going on. So if you like what we're doing, and you'd like to help support us in what we're doing, uh, you can go there and, and pledge a certain amount per month, and you'll get special rewards. So at the bottom of the page, you'll see a list of all our different kinds of rewards, from being listed on our show notes, to being mentioned on the show, to having a special place on the website with your picture and links that you choose and that kind of stuff. We also have a special place on the website uh, that's new, if you go there, called uh, Seach Members. And if you go there, you'll see all of our current uh Siege Patreon people yeah. and their standings. If they're uh, just a Siege member, a Nabe, or a Elder Nabe, where right. they, where they kind of fit along. So uh, you know, it starts at about a, the rewards start at a dollar, and then they go up at about increments of five dollars from there. So, am I understanding that if they actually do Patreon, they actually have a chance to get episodes just a little bit early? Yeah, that's true. We released our interview with Brian Herbert three days early for Patreon members. Yeah, uh, and we will periodically do things like that. If you join at the one dollar rate, you get into the behind the scenes kind of shenanigans that we do here, a uh, little bits of maybe extra audio or extra posts that other people won't get to see in our Patreon feed and it emails you, lets you know when that kind of stuff comes up. We so. could even uh you know we uh probably know should Shouldn't discuss it on the air here, but maybe we can even look at having a guest host. If someone would be interested, yeah, coming yeah. on as a uh, fourth person to talk if they uh, yeah. sponsor a certain level. Yeah, there is a certain level that gets you into a quarterly Google Hangout. Ooh, yeah, where we'll talk about Dune or anything mm. else that you uh, you'd like to talk about. Uh, subsequent mm. levels under that get you the link to watch that. Hangout. Do you know what would be awesome if we could get Brian Herbert in that? That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty would cool. Be pretty cool. <laughs> so some, some, no promises there. No promises there. Some of the goals, uh, the reasons that we're doing this is each there's there's cost for hosting the website and all that kind of stuff, as well as each of us are purchasing the books as we go along, and you know that kind of adds up uh, along the ways. Other things is we can upgrade our equipment, get better cameras for you guys to watch us, yeah, watch us live. And Someone then, was complaining that David didn't have his own personal camera. I know, right up close, like and, a screenshot right here. Yeah, right, right in your nose. And and then there's the all. <laughs> Exclusive goal of bringing Jim to our area yes. and doing a all-together podcast uh, that would be magnificent. That would be uh, awesome. So, yes, if you're enjoying the show, <laughs> please go to patreon.com slash podcast and uh, become a supporter. We thank you for everything that you do for us. And uh, don't forget as well that we have an app. And some of you have been saying we get some response on the app. People are liking the app. And uh, all the episodes are released on the app. Typically, it takes about a day for me to get them up there. So after the release, but they will—they are there. So it's a convenient place to listen to the podcast and to stay in touch and to favorite your episodes and to respond and email and do all that. All that neat stuff that you can do from the app. It's the Zogpod Collective, Z-O-G-P-O-D Collective. And it, there's a couple other podcasts that are a part of that app. But the Dune Saga is one of the prominent ones that is there Every week, it seems like we were putting out an episode last <laughs> month. It may not always be that way, but uh, yeah, hey, we're getting a lot of content out. It's been a good two, last two months, every week almost. Yep. Yeah. So, 
Also, we have our listener feedback show, so if you want to be a part of that for Dune Messiah, or if you want to comment on this movie or anything else in the Dune universe, you can go ahead and email us at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com. You can comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dunesagapodcast. We're on Twitter at dunesagapodcast, and we have our voicemail number, which is... And you can call us at 126-0577-CHAT. That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. So I think that about wraps us up. It does. Yeah. So once again for the Dune Soccer Podcast, I'm David Moulton. And I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Halud clear the path before you. <laughs>